Christ, he has ransomed me, his grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me.
everyone this morning.
song of thanksgiving rise up from your heart of all that God has done in your life, all that he's brought you through, and all that he continues to bring you through. The Bible says his grace is sufficient for us. We thank you, Jesus. for that grace this morning. Thank you, Lord, for giving us grace exactly where we're at, Lord, that we don't have to work for it. Lord, that you meet us right where we are. Thank you, Lord, that sin and death don't have a hold on us anymore. Jesus, I pray that you would be with every person in the room, Lord, every person watching online in the cafe, Lord, worshiping anywhere today, Lord, I pray that you'd be with them, Lord, that you would bless them. Jesus, I pray that you anoint Pastor Gay, Lord, as she brings the message that you've placed on her heart today. And God, I pray that you just speak to us in our time together. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. 
How are we feeling on this bright, sunny, beautiful morning? I'm very excited that it's sunny outside. I am like a seasonal, I guess my granddad has seasonal affect disorder, which is sad. Um, <laughs> but get that was actually kind of funny. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Pat myself on the back for that one. Um, but I love the sunshine, and even though it's kind of cold outside, I think the sun makes it, like, takes away from that a little bit. So if you're a first-time guest with us today, we're super excited that you've um, joined us. If you didn't get a chance to stop at the table um, on your way in, please do so on the way out. Um, there's somebody that will be there to talk to you, and they would like to give a gift to you. Um, also, if you're a first-time guest, or even if you're not, and you need to update your connection card, those are in your program, and you can put those in the bucket during the next song as the buckets come by. Right now is also a really good time to check into Facebook and let all of your friends and family know where you're spending your Sunday morning. Um, the song that we're going to be doing next is when we'll be taking our tithes and offerings. Like I said, those buckets will come by. Um, you can give with cash or check as the buckets come by, debit or credit out in the lobby um, with the kiosks. Um, if you're online, you can give with the green giving button um, and also through our Salem Fields app. Um, lastly, we have our event, Night to Shine, coming up. If any of you guys have volunteered for that, raise your hand. Okay, awesome. I love that we do this here. Um, I said in the last service, I love Tim Tebow for many reasons, but this is one of them. And unfortunately, he just got married, so my chances are very gone now. But dang it, that's okay. Um, his wife is absolutely beautiful, so she deserves everything about him. Um, but... <laughs> But we still need um, financial sponsors for the event. Um, and so if, um, if you're interested in being a finance, wow, I'm getting a kick out of you guys today. Okay. <laughs> um, so if you are a financial sponsor, if you know someone that can be a financial sponsor, um, there's a table set out outside or set up outside in the lobby. Um, or you can email night to shine at salemfields.com. Um, so during this next song, after the buckets come by, stand together as we continue to worship. Shake the walls, won't stop until I 
don't step out when you call Jesus, Jesus Gonna sing and shout and shake the walls Won't stop until I see them fall Gonna stand up, step out when you call Jesus Give me faith like Daniel in the lion's day Give me hope like Moses in the wilderness Give me a heart like David Lord be my defense So I can face my giants with confidence Give me faith like Daniel in the lion's day Give me hope like Moses in the wilderness Give me a heart like David Lord be with confidence. Thank you. You can be seated. I love that song, don't you? So I went to Florida, and I'll tell you about that in a minute, but there were three songs uh, where I was. They let me have Alexa in my room, and I kept saying, Siri, play, and she never did speak to me. <laughs> and then I figured out I was calling her by the wrong name. So I said, Alexa, I play Confidence, I would play Rescue, and I would play Love Me Anyway by Pink and Chris Stapleton. <laughs> those three songs I just kept playing over and over because all three of those mean a lot to me. I want that kind of confidence, not in myself. I think that, that believers should be the most confident people on the face of the earth, not because of you, you're just the vehicle for God to do something extraordinary in this world. And we're going to talk about that today. And rescue is just one that I take as a promise from God that no matter what, he's going to be there to rescue me. And then, of course, love me anyway is kind of, I want to be loved even in my ugly. You know what I'm talking about? I need people in my life that will stick with me even when I don't handle myself all that great because I'm human. You know what I mean? And I want somebody that will love me Humanly, and that song kind of says that as, as, as well. So uh, that's what I ask of Buddy. Love me anyway, even in my ugly, right? Everybody wants someone like that. Well, we're kind of on overtime, you know that. We decided to stick around for a little bit longer. But before we made that decision, we thought we were going to be gone December 31st. And I had made a vacation. I got a plane ticket to Florida, January 2nd, baby. I'm out of here. <laughs> So I'm headed down to Florida, my brother's down there, and so uh, even when we decided to stay a little bit longer, uh, I decided to do that. So the plan was that I would fly down, it's a long trip, and I would fly down, and then Buddy would come a few days later and drive down, and then we'd do our road trip back. I think it's really a long trip. And uh, so we decided to go ahead and do that anyway. January 2nd came, and so I got on the plane, and I think I had this jacket and this, this scarf on. And when I arrived in Florida, my brother comes driving up. He copied off of me because he's got a convertible. And he drove up, and uh, he's a sun bum anyway, and he loves it down there. And he drove up. It's 81 degrees in Florida. And so I quickly shed my winter garb. And, uh, you know, I love the cold. 
I'm more of a Colorado girl probably, spend time there, but I love snow, I love the whole thing. I love, but I love the four seasons of Virginia. But I gotta tell you, when I got down there in those balmy high 60s and low 70s, and I was laying in that pool, looking up at that blue sky, I thought I'd done died and gone to heaven. <laughs> That's what, how they talk in Kieseltown. Buddy's had a terrible influence on me. <laughs> but I'll tell you, it was really be- beautiful. It was just, just what I needed. And then uh, I spent some time there. Buddy and I drove back up, and I bundled up, and I'm in the cold again, loving it. And you know, my top down on my car, it's a convertible, I leave it down year-round. Now, some people think I'm crazy, but I've found some people that have my crazy topped, okay? So this week, uh, Buddy and Howard and Mike, I call it the polar bear camping experience because they've, they've camped on the river for years and years and years and years, and I always go and, and visit them. But for, the, for two times now, this is the second time, they have camped in the cold. It was like 10 degrees at night, 17 degrees during the day. And uh, I think that's crazy, don't you? But I love the cold. So I went and visited them, went on Wednesday. There's nothing like getting out of town for a little different perspective. You know that? Just a change of scenery. So I came out of my garage. It was 27 degrees. Of course, I put the top down. (laughs) It was a gorgeous day. And I drove over there and spent time with three guys that I really like. Right there on the left is Howard. On the right is Mike. And now Buddy took this picture, so there you go. And I'm in the middle, and you can see in the front there, there's a big roaring fire that was there the whole time. And I'm telling you, it was absolutely gorgeous. So I spent time with people that I really like to be with and spent the day with them. And then at night, we went out to dinner. And then at night, it was time for me to drive home. That's what I do. I just spend one day. So... I thought, do I, put, do I leave my top down in the night air? And I looked up at the sky, and I'm telling you, those stars were bursting out of the darkness. I mean, it was gorgeous. And it looked like the Big Dipper right there, which you could see very clearly, just wanted to pour some blessings down over me. And I said, that can't happen if my top is up, right? <laughs> so I left the top down, and uh, I heated up the cockpit, I've got a heated steering wheel, I've got heated seats, I've got 80 degrees that I blast on me, and I have a blanket just in case I need it. So I have my scarf, I'm ready to go, right? (laughs) And I'm telling you, I put on some music, I looked up at the sky, I knew that little mountain was coming up in front of me, and I said, I got a two-hour drive that's going to be bliss, right? So I took off, and there is a road on the way here, I've driven it thousands of times over the years, and it's that little road from Sperryville to Culpeper. You know that road? I love that road, and I love the mountain that comes before it. So I'm, I'm coming over that mountain, and I, there, there's also on that road a little speed trap. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's 35 miles an hour through Woodville. I've known that all the time. I always go 35 miles through Wood, through 35 miles an hour through Woodville. I know that. So I'm coming off of the mountain and I'm singing with the eagle's lion eyes to the top of my lungs. <laughs> Listen to Chip Ingram, he preached me a message. 
and I'm coming down off that mountain, and I hit, Sperry, uh, I hit Woodville, and I slow down to 35 miles an hour so I can go the next mile. And I look, and I see those blue lights <laughs> flashing in my mirror. They actually looked extremely beautiful in that night sky. <laughs> I got into the blue. It was really pretty. So I'm sitting there, and I said, wait a minute. So the officer walks up, and I said, yeah, I knew about that 35 miles an hour. And he said, oh, no, I clocked you at 69 and a 55 back there. <laughs> you see, I never thought that they sit outside of the 35 miles per hour. All I remember was just love and life. You know what I'm saying? And then the next question he asked me was, aren't you cold? <laughs> and then the next question he asked me is, have you been drinking? <laughs> and I said, I said, nope, I don't drink. And officer, think sleigh ride. <laughs> well, I'm not sure he was amused. He said, could I have your ID and your registration, please? <laughs> And so he took it, and he went back, and he sat in his car for a long time, and I'm going, oh, man, 69 in a 55. And, uh, and, and I knew that I deserved that ticket. I knew it. If not there, a couple of other places that I go. <laughs> now, I try my best, but it's usually, you know, on a road that's deserted, no other cars there. Uh, you know how it goes, because you got, I've heard about your tickets. <laughs> I heard about two last night, right after this message. But, uh, so he's back there a long time, and then he comes back up, and he says, Mrs. Marston, <laughs> you need to slow down. And I said, I, I know. And he said, I'm only going to give you a ticket that'll cost you $30. And I'm going like, yes, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. But clearly, that police officer had shown me favor. I deserve something completely different. And I received that great graciously. I just did. He showed me favor. And, he, and so I set my cruise on 56 and... <laughs> And I got home a little later than I would have if that wouldn't have happened. <laughs> you all know where I'm at. <laughs> That's good. I'll talk a little more about that favor later. But I read a Facebook post this week by a uh, fellow Salem fielder. And it said this, and it resonated with me simply because God had placed this message on my life a long time ago, not even to do it for you here. But just like any message I ever do, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm telling you what God is doing in my life and how he's growing me and what the challenges of that are. You know that we've always been very transparent with you. We're just like you. We're just like anyone else that struggles. But we've chosen to follow and live by faith and follow the word of God. And that's not, that's not pleasant sometimes. But that's what I've been doing, and, and uh, there was, uh, I was inspired by this, but I was inspired by this Facebook post, and I asked her for permission to, to read this, and here's what it said. 
It said, I've recently been given an amazing opportunity with great potential growth. It's been weighing heavily on my mind due to fear of failure to pursue it any further. And lo and behold, I'm reading my devotional this morning and God does what he does best and he reminds me that he's always with me. And then she posted a simple little verse out of Genesis that said, fear not, for I'm with you. And then she posted a quote that really is kind of a prayer. And I love this because it fits so well with what I'm going to share with you today and what God's doing in my life. And it's this quote. It's by David Brainerd. It says, God, let me make a difference for you that is utterly disproportionate to who I am. In other words, that's a gutsy, risky prayer. Because that means that God wants to do something in you that people would say, what? How, how is that possible? And simply you say, well, it's only possible because I have Christ living in me. It's not because of my confidence or anything that I can do. He uses me, but it's because of him. That's disproportionate to who I am. And, and another Salem fielder commented on that and said, I'm in the same situation. I know there's an opportunity out there. I know that I have purpose in my life, but it's just, it's, it's scary to step into that. You better believe it's scary. It's risky. And it only can be done with a leap of faith. And you have to be able to have the confidence that when you take that leap of faith, that God will be there for you in the ugly. I just talked to someone, a young girl out here, and she stepped out and did something, and, and she, said, she, she said, when I get the confidence, I'll do it. And I said, oh, no, no, no. You've got to risk and you've got to step out and you've got the landmine to blow up in your face and you've got to see the ugly in you, but you've got to step out because that's when you gain your confidence. That's how you get confidence is when you stop sitting in the, the stands or on the sideline and praying for God to do something in you. It's not how it works. It works when you step in, out in faith and you risk and you allow it to blow up on you because it's in that that you learn and that you get closer to God. And so many of us just wait for God to do something in our life instead of understanding that we have to take the first step and know that he'll be there when it blows up on us. Oh, if we could have that kind of confidence in fellow believers out in the world today, what a difference that could make. Martin Luther King was a person like that. We celebrated Martin Luther King Day. You see, what, oh, let me say first of all, what, how I was, he's a great man. But go back to the next one. Here's where I was inspired. I've been reading this book, and sometimes when I read a book, it takes me two years. Because honestly, I don't want to pork up on a bunch of more knowledge. I want to get something out of that, and I want to apply it to my life. And I want to experience that. And I want to see what happens with that. And there was something in this book that just resonated with me. After all of these years of following the Lord, there was something that just really impacted me profoundly. And there's the book. You can buy it and read that, read it. But this message was inspired by that book. 
And it inspired me to call this Release Your Roar. And, and what is your roar? Your roar is your voice. It's your courage. I had someone sitting in my office and saying to me, you know, I really admire your courage and I admire how you're not afraid. And I said, wait a minute. I'm afraid just like anybody else is. I get scared to death of things. But courage is not stepping forward when you're not afraid anymore. Courage is stepping forward when you're scared to death, but that you have decided that you're going to risk and you're going to let it happen because you know God is out there and something's waiting on you. And so uh, that's where this came from. It means stepping out, taking a risk, taking action. Martin Luther King, back to him, he was a gentle giant. We celebrated him. He had a great cause. And he had a big roar. And his faith and his risk and his roar changed the world forever. We celebrate a day. And oftentimes we elevate these heroes. But you know what? He would say to you and I would say to you, no less, you have a roar just like that. You were placed on this earth with a purpose and a voice and courage enough to step forward and make a difference in this world. Just like the Facebook post, there was an opportunity out there and we tend to shrink back and we tend to allow that fear to control us. And I say, silence the fear and step out and roar. And so uh, it's been inspiring me. Martin Luther King did this and he looked different than me. He looked different in gender. He looked different in age. He looked different in skin tone, but we have a lot in common that comes deep from within our heart. First of all, he had a heartbeat for justice. He had a heartbreak for injustice. And he valued all people. It didn't matter their degrees. It didn't matter where they lived, what car they drive. No, respect and value all people. And he had this passion to chase truth. Nobody has all truth. We know the one that does, but we're continually throughout our life discovering truth. And he had a passion to chase at whatever cost. That's conviction. He had a conviction to speak up and to speak out. And I admire that. And I aspire to be that. And he, he said to us, he implored us, he said, speak up, speak out. Know what your conviction is, know what your passion is, know what you would die for and step up and risk. This is what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, it may, be, it may well be that we will have to repent in this generation, not merely for the vitriolic words and the violent actions of young people, and isn't that of bad people, And isn't that what we point our finger at? We step back and say, did you hear what they said? Did you hear, did you see what they did? It's easy for us to point our finger. He's saying, yeah, we'll have to apologize that, but that's not, that's not what I'm talking to you here about. What I'm saying is, but for the appalling silence and indifference of the good people who sit around and say, wait on time. You don't need to risk the silence. And he went on to say, in the end, we will not remember the words of our enemies, 
but the silence of our friends. I know what that means. So if we're going to release our roar, it might look ugly, but I want to talk to you today about what that means. Releasing our roar for good in the world, it's going to require risk. Can't play it safe. You got to be willing to risk, and it's going to take a leap of faith. And you're going to step out and things are going to happen and people might laugh at you or they might tell lies about you or they might, it might blow up in your face and you might fall down and it might look ugly to you, but at least you have risked, at least you have stepped out. Martin Luther King Jr., he spoke up and what did it get him? Dead. Maybe that's why people don't step out. They're so afraid of what's going to happen out there that fear wins, and it silences the, the roar, and we don't speak up, and good things can't happen because we haven't. See, he was passionate about what he believed in, and he risked everything. His legacy of conviction and boldness and personal risk and nonviolent action that he so believed in, it changed history and it will continue to go on into future generations. And we lift him up as a hero, but in reality, every single person here, every single person online was created for that, to have that voice, to step up, to risk to have the kind of confidence that says, when I do that and when I live by faith, it might explode in my face, but I know God will be with me. I know he will rescue me when I'm out there. Jesus roared. Jesus spoke up about his identity. People didn't like it at all. He was saying, I'm the son of God. I'm God on earth. People didn't like that. They called him Satan, they called him everything, but he was willing to risk because he embodied truth and he taught that justice was not dictated by rules or politics, but by love. And he showed us and he taught us and when the religious leaders came against him, what did it cost him? Death, dead. That's what it got him. But he was so convicted, he knew exactly who he was. He knew what his, what, what his identity was. And he modeled to us how to value all people. A test of our love is not that child that you love to the ends of the earth. A test of our love is, do you love your enemies? And that's not even possible. It's not even possible without the love of God flowing through us. Are you kidding me? My humanity doesn't love my enemies, but I'm called to a higher calling of God flowing through me, even praying for my enemies. That's what he called me to. That's what Jesus was, and he valued all people. He didn't value the person. When he saw David, everybody else thought he was a shepherd boy, but God saw a king. That's what God valued. And Jesus taught us how to love all people. We look at his life, red, brown, yellow, black, and white. Everybody is precious in his sight. That's not humanly possible. That's only possible as the love of God flows through us. 
And what did it cost him? Everything. But Jesus roared. I wonder if there's anyone here today who would dare to roar, to use your voice for the good that God gave to you, not what your parents taught you, not what the society has taught you, not what the culture has taught you, but what the word of God placed in you to make a difference in this world. It's gonna take risk. It's gonna take a step of faith. God does not need to rescue anyone that, stands in the, in the, that sits in the stands. God doesn't need to rescue anyone that won't get in the water. You don't need rescue then. It's only when we step out. Everybody was created with that purpose. And here's my question for me and for you. What won't happen in the world that was supposed to happen in the world if you don't release your roar? What won't happen in the world that was supposed to happen in the world if you don't release your roar? It won't happen because that was placed in you. And that's what God gave you a purpose to do in this world. But we allow fear. We are a fear-ridden culture. And we shrink back and our voice is silenced because things happen in our lives like storms. You know those storms in your life like health issues or broken dreams or losses Difficult relationships, hurt, injustices, addictions, anxiety. You know what happens in the storm? We get so focused on that thing in our life that we can't see anything else. We can't see anything else because that storm becomes so big. I talked with someone that had cancer, right? And, and he said, I will not let this be the center of my universe. Sure, I'm going to have to go to the doctor. I'm going to have to get chemotherapy. But you know, that's something that I deal with in my life. That will not be the center of who I am. But when we get in those storms, I know for me, it's almost like initially, like I'm very strong initially when something happens or when I get hurt or something very strong. And then there comes a time when I just fall apart. And I have to go to the Lord and I have to wrestle and I have to, and I allow myself to fall apart because I know God loves my ugly. When very few people may love my ugly, God loves my ugly and I think the people right around me love my ugly and so I have to go through that process in my storm. And then you know what happens when a storm begins to pass? You begin to get clarity. You begin to see things a little different if you ride that storm out. My friend and I decided to ride out a nor'easter at Ocean City. <laughs> Have you ever seen a nor'easter? They're pretty serious, y'all. <laughs> and so we said, we're not afraid of that. So we got our blankets, and that it was like a hurricane. And we went out on the front porch of that condo, and we sat there, and we just watched the storm go by. And we were as safe as we could be right there on that and that's exactly what has impacted me about this message today. You see, storms, here's the point of a storm, to get you distracted so that you won't get to the miracle that's waiting on you. That storm in your life serves to keep you distracted so that you will never reach the other shore and see what God has for you. Now, in the middle of the storm, he may not show you what that's going to be. 
He may not give, be privy, give you privy to that information. But here's what has impacted me. See, it says the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Every time you allow the storm to be your focus, it'll cheat you out of a miracle. Every time. Every time you let that storm be your focus, it'll cheat you out of a miracle. And this is what I love about this, um, this passage in the Bible. Secondly, releasing your roar means that you intentionally learn to have peace in the middle of your storm. This story, you've probably heard that I'm going to read to you. You've probably heard it a hundred times as I have throughout my life of living for the Lord. I've heard it over and over. But I never heard the story told in completion because it was broken up with a chapter. And I never read the rest of the story. And that was a mistake. And that's what I want to share with you today. And it comes out of Mark chapter 4. I don't have the scripture up here. If you have your Bible app, open it to that. If not, I'll just read it to you and try to key into the, the word of God because that's what it is here. It says, as evening fell... Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross and go to the other side. Now, I've been to the Sea of Galilee, and it's not very big. You can see the other side of the lake. And uh, Jesus was saying to his disciples, crawl in the boat, guys. Let's go to the other side. And so they took him just as he was and started out, leaving the crowds. But soon a terrible storm arose. You've probably heard this story before, haven't you? And high winds began to break into the boat until it was nearly full of water and began to sink. And Jesus was asleep at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And next word is frantically. What did the disciples do they started to panic. This is what we do in the middle of a storm. We panic. It's like, what am I going to do? Oh, what's going to happen? Oh, my goodness, what's going to happen with that? And what do I say? And what do I? And we begin to be anxiety-ridden about the storm and what we're supposed to do. And that's exactly what the disciples did. It says, frantically, they waken Jesus shouting, Teacher, don't you even care that we're here and about to drown? They're asking Jesus, don't you care? How many times have we asked Jesus, don't you care about what I'm going through here, Lord? Don't you care? And then he rebuked the wind. He calmed the storm down. He said, okay, I'll do that for you guys. But you know what he asked them next? He asked them, why were you so fearful? Don't you even have confidence in me yet? How long have we been walking with him? How long have we been in relationship with him? And when we get in the middle of that storm, we don't even realize that he's right there. doesn't need to fix it. But there's a calm and there's a peace that every single one of us can have right in the middle of a storm. Everything around us might be unjust, 
There might be things being said about you. It's not fair. But we can have a peace. That's not human. That's something disproportionate to who every single one of us is. And when we can witness to that, yeah, my world's falling apart and I feel like I'm falling apart too. And you know what? I cry. I get fearful just like anyone else. I wrestle. I cry out to God. But I can tell you this. I have full confidence that God's right there in the center of my storm. Not going to let it distract me from what he has waiting for me over on the shore. Because God has a miracle, and that's what I missed in this story. You see, look what it says next. It says, and they were filled with awe among themselves. Who is this man? Well, he's the one that's right there with us in the middle of some really difficult times that you and I go through on a regular basis in life. They were amazed at how that could happen. It wasn't just the wind that calmed down. It was the spirit of those disciples because they saw and asked, who is this that we're with? And he said, don't you have confidence in me? He said, surely I'm with you always. He says this no less to you and I here today. Same words, still ring out. I'm with you always. The Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who will take refuge in him. You see, he's already proven himself to you. If you look back, and I've done this, God has already proven himself to me. He doesn't have to do another thing to prove that he's going to rescue me, that he's going to be with me, that he's going to work it out in his own timing. And I'm getting to this stage in life where he's proven it so much, I believe that if I didn't believe it now, it would be a slap in the face of God. I will not do that. Because whether I know there's a miracle out ahead or not, whether he reveals that to me or not, that's not my information to have. My information and my relationship with him means that I trust him. I trust him in the middle of that storm and I will risk stepping out and roaring for him. You see, it takes action. It doesn't take just sitting in the stands or sitting in a, a seat. It takes stepping out and risking whatever will happen and not shrinking back because of fear. You see, faith risks. He says, even into your old age and your gray hair, it is not based on your age. You can be 97 years old and still alive and breathing, and God still has purpose for you in your, to your gray hairs. I've made you, and I will carry you, and I will risk you. Faith risks. It steps up. It steps out, it releases your roar, even if it looks ugly when you do it. Even if you don't like how you handle it, he loves you and you're ugly too, but he says you're stepping out. Even if somebody ridicules you or devalues you or says things about you that aren't true, we have a promise that when we risk and we step out, he will be there to rescue us. 
you are not hidden there's never been a moment you were forgotten you are not hopeless though you have been broken your innocence stolen i hear you whisper underneath your breath i hear your sos your sos i will send out an army to find you in the middle of the darkest night it's true i will rescue you there is no distance that cannot be covered over and over you're not defenseless i'll be your shelter i'll be your armor was saying yes I'll step out that was an awesome song and Peyton is an amazing deliverer of God God's message but that was God's word right there and when I chose to live a life of faith 
when I chose to live a life of risking to do for God, I have needed rescue. I'm human just like you are. I may be a warrior and armor up, but I'm a child inside as well, and I hurt just like anyone else. And there have been times when I've stepped out and I've blown it, or someone has not liked what I've done and repercussions from that. And I've needed rescued. And that happened to me just recently. It was just recently when it was just overwhelming. This life that I've chosen to live and to lead God's way. And, and I was at that place that she just sang about. And I know firsthand that he rescues because he sent out an army for me just a couple of weeks ago. And it was in the form of my grandson. Now be watching for the army because it may come in ways that you may not recognize at first. But the army that he sent out for me was my grandson calling and say, hey, Nana, wanna go to a wizard's game? And there's nothing like getting out of town for a fresh, clean perspective. And I said, you know, I think I will, Christian. You and I will go to the Wizards game. And so we hopped the train up at Springfield and we rode into the city. And as I rode on that train that many of you ride day after day and it becomes so mundane, it was one of the most beautiful things that I've experienced. I looked at the city living out there and the sun was shining and we rode into one of the most beautiful cities on the face of this earth. We went over and got some lunch we went over and watched the Wizards game afterwards, got to get some coffee, and I got to spend a day with someone that I love. God sent out an army for me. And he'll do that for anybody. But you're not gonna need rescued if you never get in the water. You're not gonna need rescued if you're always sitting in the stands. You're not gonna need rescued if you're just a spectator. You need rescued when you're down and out because you have stepped out in faith. You have roared for the good and the purpose that God has placed in each one of you. And in those moments, he doesn't reveal the miracle. Here's the most profound thing that happened when I read this in this book. I never read the whole story. I knew that story about Jesus and the boat and the disciples and the fear and the winds and the wave. I knew that, but I never connected the next part with it in chapter five. You know what happened? And Jesus didn't tell them about this. He was just saying to them, be calm, be, know that I'm with you in the storm. But the next chapter, which shouldn't even be another chapter, it's a whole story that connects together, talks about when they arrived on the shore, when they got through the storm, they encountered a man that it says was demon possessed and ran out from a graveyard. Now this is a creepy story and I want you to get this in your mind even though it's creepy. It's a man that's running out and he might be naked but he is, he's gonna scare everybody to death because in that day, we may call it mentally ill today, in that day they called it demon possessed and this man lived among the gravestones and he had such strength that whenever he was put into handcuffs and shackles, 
he, as he often was, he snapped the handcuffs from his, his wrists. So you're getting a picture of this person that comes running out. They had just experienced this on the, on the seas. And, and it tells about this man who was acting outrageously and, and uh, that everyone would call an outcast and not want to be part of. And when Jesus was still far, far out of the water, the man had seen him and had run to meet him and fell down before him. And then Jesus spoke to the demon within the man. So Jesus is about to do a miracle here. And they're going to be watching. And he casts those demons out of that man. And he sees these pigs coming up. And you can read about it in the story. And he throws that demon into those pigs. And those pigs run off of the cliff and die. They just watched him do an incredible miracle. And Jesus has a miracle waiting on the shore when you're in the middle of that storm. But that storm is such a distraction to you that all you can see is what's going on in your life there. Jesus says, be calm, because I have something waiting for you on the shore. And it says, the herdsmen fled to the nearby towns and countryside. What they had just seen, they had to tell people. They couldn't stay quiet. They had to roar. They had to say, you know what? This is unbelievable. This is disproportionate to what I've ever seen in life before. And a large crowd soon gathered where Jesus was but as they saw this man sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane they were frightened they were scared of what had just happened those who saw what happened were telling everyone about it this is what happens when someone sees something happen in you where you're calm in the middle of the storm and then you move through the storm and God does a miracle in your life you can't help but tell about that and every single one of us have something in us just like that. The question is, are you roaring? Are you fulfilling the purpose that God has placed within your life? See, a miracle is waiting to happen in the middle of the storm that you have. But you, we gotta trust God's timing. You might be there right now. There's an opportunity like the Facebook post, an opportunity that's just waiting to happen and you're shrinking back and you're playing it safe and you're fearful of what will happen if you take that step. God promises that he will rescue you and that miracle will reveal what Jesus can do in you and in them. That's why God placed us on this earth. It says, and he began to tell everyone about the great things that Jesus had done for him, and they were awestruck at the story. Someone needs to see your miracle. I had someone just recently say to me, someone very, very important, I'm watching you in how you're handling this situation. It was someone young and vulnerable and very important to me. And she said, I really like what I'm seeing. That's all that matters to me. I'm not doing what I do so that someone else will watch. I'm doing what I do because the word of God promises me that he will walk with me through every risk, through every leap of faith, and he wants that no less for everyone. See, 25 years ago, our family was in the middle of a huge storm. 25 years ago, and we were tempted to flail 
and be afraid and panic and run. We don't want to have anything more to do with church. We were kind of done with it. We were in the middle of a storm. But we found peace. And his name was Jesus. And we decided to connect with him and to live for him and to do the best. And boy, I'll tell you, we make a mess of it a bunch of times because we're so human. But we decided to, to risk and to take a leap of faith. And we had a miracle waiting on the shore for us, and it's called Salem Fields Community Church. 25 years later, he's proven himself to be true. And we have nothing to fear in the next assignment. Whatever that is, have no clue. No matter what we have to go through in order for God to move us there, we're willing to do that because God has proven himself. And it says here in his word, he delivered us from such a deadly peril. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And he promises this, I have created you and cared for you since you were born. I will be your God through all your lifetime. Yes, even when your hair is white with old age, I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and be your savior. Big difference between Martin Luther King Jr. and Jesus when they roared. Martin Luther King made a difference for all time, but he was just a human. Jesus is our Savior, and he calls you to roar. He calls you to step out. No matter what your age, no matter who you are, he calls us to roar. So go ahead, risk, and roar.
I put on my helmet of salvation and I take my shield of faith and my, my feet are shod with the gospel of peace and the breastplate of righteousness. I, I armor up, but what I noticed in that armor out of Galatians is that there's nothing for my back. But the Bible says, goodness and mercy follow me. I'm all set to step out, step out into faith and roar. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that we can trust you. And I pray, Lord, that someone here today has chosen to step over the line, to trust you all the way with all of their heart. That whatever that is, no matter what our age, it doesn't matter what our age you said that it would be from now until the day that we die and meet you, Lord, that you have purpose in our life. And I pray that whatever that is will be released into the world through a roar that says, this is my belief that I believe in Jesus Christ and he's with me. And so, Father, thank you so much for your presence here today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're doing in my life, Lord. And I pray, Father, today that if there's someone here that doesn't know you in a personal way, that today would be that day. And if that's you here this morning or online, all you have to do is invite him into your life, invite Jesus into your life to walk with you and to talk with you. And that's exactly what he'll do. And you can develop a relationship in all the ugly that you have and all the beauty that you have. It doesn't matter. He's not judging you for that. He's just saying, I want a relationship with you. And so just invite him in right now if you never have. And for those of us that have, I pray, Lord, that we would take that next step. And that when we do, even if it explodes on us, even if we hit a landmine, even if we fall down and it hurts really bad, I pray, Lord, that we can know that you will rescue us and pick us up and move us forward. And that's how you transform us, Lord. I pray for that kind of believer in our world today. Father, thank you once again for who you are in my life, and I'm sure everyone here could say the same thing. We give you, I give you all the glory and all the praise for everything that ha that's happened here this morning. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.